Isn't it good to know that Jesus leads us? When we think of the challenge of God's kingdom work, some of the challenges that come our way, the work must go on. And we are grateful that God leads us in that. We turn this morning to the book of Acts, chapter 15, and reading verses 36 to 41. And here we find one of the challenges that we face in ministry. Sometimes we think it's those people out there, we think it's Satan working against us, and that is certainly true. But there are other challenges that sometimes occur within the family of God. I don't know if that surprises you or not, but uh, here we find one in Acts chapter 15, verses 36 to 41. After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brethren in every city in which we proclaimed the word of the Lord and see how they are. Barnabas wanted to take John, called Mark, along with them also. But Paul kept insisting that they should not take him along who had deserted them in Pamphylia and that had not gone with them to the work. And there occurred such a sharp disagreement that they separated from one another. And Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and left, being committed by the brethren to the grace of the Lord. And he was traveling through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches." Father, we thank you for this word that you've given to us. And I pray, Lord, that you might teach us, that you might guide us into your truth. Your word is everlasting truth. Father, show us that the work must go on in spite of the challenges that come our way. For the glory and the praise of your name, Jesus, we ask. Amen. I read a story about a young man who taught a... Sunday school class to very lively sixth grade boys. And if you've never taught a Sunday school class to sixth grade boys, it can be an adventure. And so he, uh, he worked with these boys and, and, and they grew to love him and he grew to love them. But after a while, he became a little bit discouraged didn't seem like there was really anything happening in their lives, and he decided he was going to give up the class. But as he came to that Sunday school class, what he thought would be his last class, he was wondering, how am I going to tell these boys that I'm quitting? Well, just before he got into the room, he, tur- he heard a conversation between two of the boys, And one of them said, I heard our teacher is quitting. And he stopped and he thought, I need to listen to this. And the other boy said to him, he isn't going to quit. He told us the first day of class that he was going to do whatever God called him to do. And he said that God had called him to teach this class. He said, He is God's man, and God's man doesn't quit. Well, what do you do then? (laughs) He went to that classroom. He wasn't going to give that up. He was committed, 
in spite of his discouragement, in spite of wondering if he was making a difference, he said, God, help me to be faithful to this calling that you've given to me. If you've been involved in a ministry for any length of time, you've probably had days when you felt like quitting. We are fallen people. We live in a fallen world and things don't always go the way that we might wish for them to go. But when we face those days, we need to remember that God has called us to be involved in the work of his kingdom. And God has promised to give us the strength we need. He said, lo, I am with you always, even unto the very end of the age. And in spite of the difficulties, we say, by the grace of God, the work must go on. If there was ever someone who understood this, I think we'd have to say it was the Apostle Paul. I mean, here was a man who faced all kinds of challenges, all kinds of difficulties, all kinds of opposition. Uh, you read sometime in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 where he gives a list of all that he went through. Here was a man who was committed to the work. God had called him. God had filled him with his spirit. God had equipped him. And Paul was a man who would say the work must go on. We see two examples of that in the passage of Scripture that we read this morning. First of all, we see this principle that the work must go on in spite of desertion. In spite of desertion. Paul understood what it means to fulfill the Great Commission, to go and make disciples of all nations. Because we see here in verse 36 the beginning of what we call his second missionary journey. And it was really a missionary journey that was a follow-up journey. It was, well, look at verse 36. Paul says, After some days Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brethren in every city in which we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Okay? People had come to Jesus in that first missionary journey. And Paul realized that his ministry was not just to bring someone to a living relationship with Jesus, but to make disciples. He needed to follow up, make sure that they were established and growing in their faith. So he and Barnabas planned on going back and see how they were, but there was a little problem between them. And that was regarding the makeup of this mission team that would go back there, because Barnabas wanted to take Mark... And Paul didn't. Verse 37 says, Barnabas wanted to take John called Mark along with them, but Paul kept insisting that they should not take him along with them because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. So here you have two godly men. Barnabas, the son of encouragement, the apostle Paul, and they had a disagreement. I bet you can't believe that could happen, do you? <laughs> you know, sometimes people say, oh, if we could just go back to the days of the New Testament church, when everything was so wonderful. I'm not sure what Bible such people are reading, because there were challenges, there were conflicts. And here you have Barnabas, 
and the Apostle Paul, they couldn't agree. Luke doesn't tell us why Mark deserted Paul and Barnabas. And if you go back to Acts chapter 13, Luke simply says that he left them and returned to Jerusalem. And there have been all kinds of speculations as to why he left. Was he sick? Was he afraid of persecution? Were the realities of missionary life that caused him to go back to Jerusalem? All of those are just speculation because we don't really know. But Luke uses really quite a strong word here to describe what Mark did. He uses the word deserted. And it's a word from which we get our English word apostasy. So it's kind of a strong term to use to describe what Mark did. And so you can see why Paul had some concern about taking Mark with them. If he deserted them once, would he do it again? Will this be a pattern when difficulty came that he would just leave? And so from Paul's perspective, he just couldn't risk that. A.T. Robertson says, At Perga, Mark had faced the same task that Paul and Barnabas did, but he flinched and flickered and quit, is the way Robertson describes it. And Paul declined to repeat the experiment again with Mark. Now, if you look at what happened after Mark left them and went back to Jerusalem, you see something important. And that is that the work didn't stop because one person left and went back to Jerusalem. Paul didn't say, there's no way we can go on now. I mean, after all, we've had one desert us. There's no way we can go on now. No, the work must go on. And it did. And guess what? God blessed the work in spite of the fact that one of their team deserted them. Just go back to Acts chapter 13 and see some of the things that happened even after Mark left them. Chapter 13, verse 42, as Paul and Barnabas were going out, the people kept begging that these things might be spoken to them the next Sabbath. And when the meeting of the synagogue had broken up, many of the Jews and the God-fearing proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, were urging them to continue in the grace of God. The next Sabbath, nearly the whole city assembled to hear the word of the Lord. Chapter 14, they went to a city called Iconium. Verse 3, therefore they spent a long time there speaking boldly with reliance upon the Lord who was testifying to the word of His grace, granting that signs and wonders be done by their hands. Chapter 14, verse 21, they came to a town called Derby. After they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and Iconium and then to Antioch. And when they arrived at Antioch, chapter 14, verse 27 says, When they had arrived and gathered the church, they began to report all the things that God had done with them and how He had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. The work doesn't stop when someone quits. We keep going.
I remember when I was a sophomore in high school and we had a couple of uh, basketball players on our team, seniors, both, both named Larry, two Larrys on our team. And we had lost the game on Friday night. We got blown out by, I forget who it was, it must have been Duluth East because they were the team that always beat us. And so our coach was, was, was not very happy, let's just put it that way. And we had a game on Saturday night, but he scheduled a practice on Saturday morning. And the two Larrys decided they weren't going to show up. Does that work well, Lori? Your senior leaders? They went skiing that day. We had a game that night. And after a little conversation the coach had with these two seniors, they decided to quit. They just walked out. Not to put up with this, you know, that kind of attitude. So we decided to quit the whole season. No, we didn't. We did not. And what happened was it gave some of us sophomores some playing time. And eventually it paid off. In our junior and senior year, we did quite well. But we didn't quit. We didn't give up when a couple of players deserted us. And neither did Paul when Mark left him. The work must go on. And we will see people over the years that sometimes will just walk away from the Lord, walk away from the the ministry. And as sad as that is, the work still must go on. So in spite of desertion, the work went forward. And then the second thing we notice, the work must go on in spite of division. Spite of division. Here were two men, Paul and Barnabas, who were very firm in their convictions here. When it says that Barnabas wanted to take Mark with them, the tense of the word wanted emphasizes ongoing action. In other words, Barnabas probably didn't just mention it once, but repeatedly he was telling Paul, we need to take Mark with us. And if you look at verse 38, Luke says that Paul kept insisting that they should take him along, which also emphasizes ongoing action. So here you have these two men, face to face, I'm sure eyeball to eyeball, uh, disagreeing, no texting and emails in those days. You had to actually talk to someone face to face, and there they were in disagreement. So what happens when two people with opposite views are very firm in their convictions. Well, what happened here, verse 39 says, and there occurred such a sharp disagreement that they separated from one another. Now, some might say, well, wasn't there room for compromise here? How do you compromise in a situation like that? One says, take them. The other one says, leave them. Well, do you take half of Mark and leave half of Mark or what? I mean, what could you do? And so they, they separated. And the word translated sharp disagreement is the Greek word paroxumos, from which we get our English word paroxysm. You've probably heard that word before, but what is a paroxysm? A paroxysm is defined as a sudden attack or outburst. 
And in the medical field, this word is used to describe a sudden recurrence or intensification of symptoms such as a spasm or a seizure. So, what would this suggest? It would suggest that this was not just a minor disagreement here. I mean, they were pretty firm with one another as to what should happen. Now, lest we think that this was an apostolic brawl, let me read to you what Richard Lenski says. He says, We need not overdraw the picture and speak of passionate and bitter words of hot tempers and anger. Paul and Barnabas were not men of that common, cheap type. This class was one between incompatible convictions, Barnabas being sure that Mark would prove fit for the task, Paul equally convinced that he would not prove fit, neither insulted the other nor did anything regrettable, but because they had such opposite convictions in regard to Mark, the two men separated. And I would suggest to you that must have been a painful thing. Because Barnabas was the one who really brought Paul into the fellowship of believers. When the church didn't believe that this Saul of Tarsus who persecuted them was really a a believer, it was Barnabas who brought Paul in. And they had a close relationship. And now they separate. They go their separate ways. And if you've had a disagreement with another believer and you go your separate, that's a, that's a painful thing. And it happens. In the body of Christ even, it happens. In studying this text, I learned some things that I hadn't really put together clearly. It seems like with every disagreement... There are probably things in the background that might contribute to that. Have you discovered that? When there's a disagreement with someone, there, there might have been something in the past that, that kind of might affect that. Well, for one thing, Barnabas and Mark were relatives. Did you know that? They were cousins, according to Colossians 4, verse 10. Do you think that that could, could have had something to do with their disagreement, that Barnabas wanted to take cousin Mark with him and Paul didn't? Could it be that Barnabas wasn't able to be completely objective about Mark? I'm just asking the question. Do you think parents are able to be totally objective about their children? I think you know the answer to that. So that may have been in the background where Barnabas wanted his cousin and Paul didn't. Besides that, this event may have occurred after Paul had rebuked Peter and it included, guess who? Barnabas. Look at Galatians chapter 2. Verse 11, Paul says, But when Cephas, or Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, 
because he stood condemned. So there you got a, a face-to-face confrontation with Peter and Paul. And, and Paul writes, For prior to the coming of certain men from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he began to withdraw himself and stood aloof, fearing the party of the circumcision. So Peter would eat with the Gentiles when his Jewish buddies weren't around. But when his Jewish buddies came around, then he didn't, well, I'm not sure he want to be with the Gentiles. And then we have this statement in verse 13. The rest of the Jews joined him in hypocrisy, Paul calls it, with the result that even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. So, not only did Paul rebuke Peter, Barnabas was involved in this rebuke as well. And have you been rebuked by someone? Do you think your old nature would have a tendency to remember that when there's another conflict? How many of you think so? The rest of you are... Either lying or what? I don't know. Okay, so there, 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 that could be in the background as well. Now, we obviously can't say for sure, but there, there seems to be certain things that might have at least clouded things for them a little bit. But notice how the work of God didn't stop. Just because Paul and Barnabas had had a disagreement, that didn't stop the work of God. God continued to work in some wonderful ways. In spite of this, when Paul and Barnabas separated, now there were two mission teams instead of one, right? Verse 39 says that Barnabas took Mark with him, and he sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and left, being committed by the brethren to the grace of the Lord. And he was traveling through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So ministry didn't end for Paul, and it didn't end for Barnabas. And I would suggest to you that their friendship didn't end either. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, Paul mentions Barnabas in a positive way. So it's not like they said, okay, we can't agree, so we can't be friends. Ever met anybody like that? If we don't agree on everything, then we just can't be friends. Is that God's way? I don't think so. I don't think so at all. But what is really interesting to notice is what happened later with Paul's relationship to Mark. In Philemon, verse 24, Paul describes Mark, now think of it, this is Mark, as one of my fellow workers. That's significant, isn't it? And in 2 Timothy 4.11, which was read this morning, Paul tells Timothy to pick up Mark, and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for service. And it's like, whoa, (laughs) Paul, you're saying this about Mark? Wow. So something had happened, huh? Paul's ministry with Silas was effective. You read through uh, from here on and you see their ministry. 
And evidently, Barnabas' ministry to Mark was effective. He helped him to mature in his faith to the point where Paul wanted Mark to be with him during the last days of his life. That's the context of 2 Timothy 4. Paul says, the time of my departure has come. He says, you know, bring the parchments, uh, bring my cloak, and make sure you bring Mark. Mark. Isn't it wonderful what God can do through imperfect people? And I think we all qualify, don't we? Imperfect people. In spite of desertion, in spite of division, the work went on because it's God's work. What did Jesus say? I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overpower it. God is committed that the work will go on. And by His grace and power and strength, we need to say, Lord, in spite of what I face, would You give me the strength and the grace to say, the work must go on. So I want to leave you with two lessons as we close. Number one, God can do His work without you. God can do His work without you. It is not dependent on you or me, but you will miss out on the blessing. When Mark deserted Paul and Barnabas, the work still went on. But Mark wasn't a part of it. And all those things that happened in that missionary journey as they went from place to place, Mark missed out on that. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss out on what God wants to do. In my years of ministry, I've seen several people who were involved in the Lord's work, and they basically quit. But God's work still goes on, doesn't it? And there's no one who's irreplaceable. No one. The second lesson, sometimes believers agree to disagree. But God is still able to use them. When Paul and Barnabas separated, God used both of them to build His kingdom because they believed that the work must go on. And I pray that God would work that in our lives today. That we would be committed to the work in spite of what may come. Maybe division, maybe desertion, maybe something else. But the work must go on. Jesus will build His church. Whether you and I are involved in it or not, but we'll miss out on the blessing. So let's say, Lord, work through me. Use me. In spite of all the challenges that we face in ministry, we have the promise of our Savior. I am with you always, always, even unto the very end of the age. Let's pray. 
Lord Jesus, we see an example here of the challenge that sometimes takes place within, within the family, with Barnabas and Paul and, and Mark. And yet, Lord, you, you still worked in that situation because you are committed to build your kingdom. And I thank you, Lord, that we can have a part in that as we make ourselves available for you to fill with your power and to use for your glory. Thank you, Jesus, that you are able to work with imperfect people. And you are able to work many times not because of us, but even in spite of us. That's how great you are. But Father, do your work in our hearts today. Help us to be willing to say, as Isaiah did, Hear my Lord, send me, use me, O God, for the glory of your name, for the growth of your kingdom. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.